everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. From last team in the College World Series to now just a few wins away from winning the whole thing. It's been a heck of a season for the Ole Miss Rebels as they got a little bit closer to winning a national championship. Could get back-to-back national championships in baseball for the Magnolia State. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm your big, bald, and beautiful host, Raymond Parch III, better known as RP3. I'm joined inside the studios by the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names. we got a great show lined up for you today. Two guests on the back end of today's show. Jarrett Rozier will join us at 8 o'clock, our recruiting guru, our go-to guy when it comes to crudin. He'll give us the latest updates in the world of recruiting. That'll be coming up at 8 o'clock at 8.30. Ali Cassell will be joining us, editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights. He'll give us his final thoughts on the NBA Finals and look ahead to the NBA Draft, which will be Thursday night. Pelicans currently have the number eight overall pick. What are they going to do with it? Are they going to move up? Are they going to trade down? Are they going to trade the pick entirely? What's going to happen? What's David Griffin Company going to do? Ali Cassell will join us at 8.30 to break it all down for us. So, two guests, Jarrett Rozier at 8 o'clock, Ali Cassell at 8.30, which means we got plenty of time for your phone calls today. Get those bad boys in. We had a great start to the week yesterday. A slew of good phone calls. Let's keep that moving on this Tuesday morning. June the 21st. You know the hotline. It's 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. Of course, we got a lot to get to today. We're going to be talking all things. We'll be touching on Saints. We're going to be touching on Astros, Major League Baseball, little golf news. And so much more. But we got to start off talking college baseball. Two elimination, oh, I'm sorry, one elimination game yesterday in Omaha at the College World Series. Another game was part of the winner's bracket. Let's start with the early game. That was the elimination game. Auburn stays alive. They beat Stanford 6-2. Stanford was your highest remaining national seed, the number two team in the country. Not anymore. Stanford goes 0 for 2, eliminated. And we're roughed up by not one but two SEC West teams. <laughs> so, so <laughs> thank you for playing. Come again. Auburn. 
moves on, beats Stanford 6-2 to in elimination game yesterday. And I, I said it before that I felt like this college World Series was wide open. A lot of the betting line favorites, two of the top three betting line favorites for the College World Series were Texas and Sanford. Texas started off the season as the number one ranked team in the country. A lot of people believed they had turned a corner. I was not sold. They were the first team eliminated. Stanford, if you remember, struggled against Texas State to get out of their regional. But they found a way. Have a ton of tradition. They were the number two national seed. They went 0 for 2 as well. Baseball, unlike other sports, unlike football, unlike basketball, baseball is that sport that it doesn't matter. Like, the, the best team can lose. The most talented team can lose. You have one bad day. It's game over. One bad day. And that's it. So Texas eliminated. Stanford now eliminated. Auburn, who was fighting for their lives, they get to play another day. And Stanford led early in this ballgame, too. 2 nothing lead. Heading to the six. And then Auburn, their bats in particular, woke up. Now, in the sixth, the first inning, the first run they scored was because of a walk. Uh, that's not what you want to see if you're Stanford. Walking in a run, not great. But then Foster gets the double to deep left center field. That plates three runs because Auburn was aggressive on that play. And all of a sudden, a 2-0 deficit has flipped over to a 4-2 advantage. Sack fly by Moore in the seventh adds a run. And then a double by Pierce brings in another run there in the seventh. As Auburn wins 6-2 over the Stanford Cardinal. Stanford walked four batters. That was huge. Auburn threw, Auburn staff, though, threw 16 strikeouts. Including eight from Bright, the starter. Then Sheenan adds three more. And Bocalder adds five more. So Auburn's pitching staff did its job. And they got the timely hits and they took advantage of some Miscues by Stanford. So Auburn wins its elimination game. They don't go 0 for 2. All the SEC teams, by the way, have won a game. Half the field was from the SEC West, and every single one of them have won a game. In the other game, after the elimination game, it was a battle of SEC West teams. Ole Miss versus Arkansas. And then the Rebels 
who I said when I was asked, who do I like? Producer extraordinaire, Hannah, five names. You were behind the glass. You were manning the microphone. I said, of the four teams, because it was our poll question of the day, which SEC team do you like? And I said, the team I like the most out of the SEC, she doesn't remember. She's looking at me like I'm speaking Latin to her. We only deb- we only talked about it for two straight <laughs> days on the show. But thank you, Five Names. Appreciate you paying attention. It was Ole Miss, by the way. See, I was just going to guess it, but then I was going to feel dumb if it wasn't that one. That's who I like, though. But all we talked about all week was the College World Series. So a lot of names were thrown over and over again. So it was very hard to keep them straight. There you go. I mean, my, uh, what I say should be the most important thing, but that's fine. Uh, it's fine. Sure, it's what it's you fine. say, not what I say. No. It's fine. It's fine. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Five Names. No problem. Appreciate your contribution this morning. <laughs> yes, it was Ole Miss. They were the last team in into the entire bracket. There was some debate whether or not they were deserving of being in the bracket. Yet the Rebels marched through the regional round in Coral Gables, knocking out Miami, the host. Then they went to the Supers. They beat Southern Miss two games to none. Shut them out 15 to nothing. And then they take down Arkansas last night, 13 to 5. There's two teams in this field that have a team of destiny feel about them. Oklahoma, Ole Miss. Oklahoma, by the way, not ranked either, not a national seed. Neither is Ole Miss. Oklahoma looked dead in the water. We talked to one of the co-hosts of the Locked On Sooners podcast last week, and he said they looked like they weren't going to go anywhere. And then about a month left in the season, they started turning things around just like Ole Miss did. But then Ole Miss was one and done at the SEC tournament. And you're like, eh, maybe. But, man, they have turned it on. Don't don't forget, Ole Miss was ranked preseason as a top five, top ten team. The expectation was they were supposed to be a national title contender. They started off slow. They had some injuries. They were playing poorly. Their coach got on the hot seat. And then the last quarter of the season, they turned it on. 13-5 over the Razorbacks. So now Oklahoma and Ole Miss are in the driver's seat. Now they just wait. Because they've moved on to the semifinals. Both Boomer Sooner and Rebels. Hotty toddy. They're undefeated. They haven't lost. Now they're just going to wait for everyone else to battle it out until they get to play again. Ole Miss, 13-5 victory yesterday. Bench scored four runs, had two ribbies. Elko had three ribbies. Graham had two more. Harris, the right fielder, batting at the bottom of the lineup, went three for four with four RBIs and two runs scored. They just teed off on Arkansas. Two in the first, two in the second, three in the third, four in the fifth, three more in the eighth. 
just an absolute clinic they put on. So here we stand. And Ole Miss, Oklahoma have moved on. They will not be playing today. Today is going to be elimination day at the College World Series. Because you're going to have some really good teams battling it out. As it stands this morning, at 617, we still have every SEC team alive. Once again, four of the eight were in the field. Half the field is made up of the SEC. Eliminated, Texas, your preseason number one ranked team, and a betting line favorite for the College World Series, and number two seed Stanford, they've been eliminated. We'll eliminate two more teams today in Omaha. Texas A&M, who lost the opener of the College World Series to Oklahoma. Remember, they eliminated Texas on Sunday. They'll be playing today, and they'll take on Notre Dame. Notre Dame handed Texas its first loss, but then Notre Dame lost to Oklahoma as well. So two teams that lost to Boomer Sooner get to battle it out today. That'll be the first game from Omaha, 1 o'clock, Texas A&M versus Notre Dame. The night game is also an elimination game. It's going to be a battle of the SEC West. Arkansas versus Auburn. Razorbacks and Tigers are going to tussle at 6 o'clock. So at the end of the day, we could have one SEC team advancing on to join Ole Miss. Or we could have two. One of them's going home, at least. We'll see. College World Series and Ole Miss Rebels. Oof, man. Them in Oklahoma. Them in Oklahoma. Telling you. We got to take a timeout. We'll take your phone calls. We'll talk College World Series. What stood out to you? Love to hear from you. Game hotline is open 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. talking about sports yeah you love listening to sports yep sounds like we were meant to be together or at least friends with benefits aren't you glad you found us yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. back to more of the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station Oh, it's the game's birthday tomorrow. And this is your invitation to come party with us as we celebrate 10 years of being Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. That's right. Come join us at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey tomorrow. There's going to be delicious wings and amazing door prizes, including station swag, Astros tickets, a 50-inch TV donated by AVI, car washes from The Wash donated by Service Chevrolet, a gift card from Partners Limited, and a round of golf with a cart at Cane Row Golf Course. 
plus a $150 gift card to Mosley and Hollard Men's Clothing and much more. In addition to all your favorite personalities, Kevin Foote, producer extraordinaire Hannah Five Names, Miguez and Mesh, Jordy Holberg, even yours truly. I'm probably not your favorite. That's okay. I'm okay with that. Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh is going to be broadcasting live from the party. So come join us at B-Dubs on Ambassador tomorrow starting at 4 o'clock for the game's 10th birthday bash. College World Series. We're getting closer and closer to a champion being crowned. Ole Miss, last team to get into the field, overall field of the bracket. They're in. They've moved on to the semifinals, as has Oklahoma. Now, they can be pushed in those semifinals. Just a reminder about the College World Series format. Oklahoma's pushed on to the semifinals. They await the winner of Notre Dame, Texas A&M, who Oklahoma's already defeated. Both of those teams in this College World Series. <laughs> they await. Now, whoever wins today's elimination game between Notre Dame and Texas A&M, if they beat Oklahoma, they're not into the championship round. They have to beat Oklahoma twice to get there that's how that works on the other side of the bracket Ole Miss like Oklahoma who's undefeated at the College World Series that's why you have to beat them twice it's double elimination Ole Miss has punched their ticket after rolling Arkansas yesterday they await the winner of Arkansas versus Auburn Ole Miss has already defeated both of those teams once again the winner from that game will go on to play Ole Miss They'll need to beat Ole Miss twice to advance to the championship round. So, we're getting very close. Could have the national champion come from the Magnolia State back-to-back years, but still plenty of baseball left. And as good as Ole Miss has looked so far, you know, how are they going to fight? You know, can they beat Arkansas and Auburn yet again? Things get a little kooky. And they've been known to do so up in Omaha. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on James to the show. James, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend? Good morning, Mr. RP3. I wanted to talk college baseball, uh, you know, not, not you know, football that I'm obsessed with, other than the fact that I am down for the uh, RP3 uh, Fantasy Football League when you crank that up. Save me a spot. Awesome, bud. But uh, Ole Miss, man, I've been on them, and I got your back. You did call it. I, I don't blame Hannah for her, her millennial – you know, 30-second attention span. I blame TikTok, Twitter, and her hatred of coffee. <laughs> but Continue, James. Sorry. But, but other than that, you know, uh, I, went to, I went to high school with uh, the parents of one of the players there, uh, Dunhurst, the little catcher. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, and I've uh, been following them, and, and you called it. I've been following them. They got hot at the right time of the year. They had a couple of uh, come-to-Jesus meetings there. Whenever they were struggling, and they've really been on a tear, man. I think they're the team of destiny, and they're going to make it happen. James, appreciate the phone call, brother. Enjoy your day, my friend. This is the great thing about baseball, is that Ole Miss looked like they were going to fire their coach. There was talk coming out of Oxford of, well, it's time. He's only been there, you know, 20 years. He only had great success with us all this time. Let's move on. And, and part of that, make no bones about it, was amplified by the fact that the arch rival Mississippi State Bulldogs won the national title last year. 
yeah, you know, it, it's it, it's one of those things as well. Hey, we had all these lofty expectations. We're supposed to be a top five national team. We're struggling. We can't beat mediocre teams. Oh, and our arch rival just won the national title. That's part of it as well. But veteran skippers find a way to get their team to turn a corner. And that's what he did. And sure enough, there was the debate, should they get into the field? Remember, they were one and done at the SEC tournament. Didn't help their cause. You know what helped their cause? The sweep in Baton Rouge against LSU. The next last weekend series of the season. I think that solidified Ole Miss getting into the field. I think that's what did it. I also think that's what prevented LSU from hosting a regional. But Ole Miss, they found their mojo and they're playing to their potential. And them in Oklahoma sure to appear to be on a collision course. Now, that said, today's games, today and tonight's games, the elimination games, Notre Dame, Texas A&M. Texas A&M beat Texas, their arch rival who they can't get past, right? They were able to eliminate the Longhorns and send them packing. A&M easily got to the College World Series. Remember, five games, got there, done. Then Oklahoma said, not so fast. Be interesting to see what happens this afternoon in that game between Notre Dame and Texas A&M. Because Notre Dame was the other team that I liked that was non-SEC that could possibly make a run. That game intrigues me greatly. Because A&M was your top team in that side of the bracket. They lose the first game and gave up a ton of runs. I mean, they just got blitzed. Now, they beat Texas. They crushed Texas. Great. What do they got left? In Notre Dame, can they rally after falling short? That's an intriguing matchup to me. And as great as Oklahoma has played, and they've played amazingly from the Big 12 tournament, well, a few weeks before then, through the Big 12 tournament, through regional and super regional play. Could one of those teams test Oklahoma? And the other side of the bracket, Arkansas and Auburn. I have to like Arkansas here. I don't know why. It just feels like Auburn got its win at the College World Series, and that's a great accomplishment. And look, they beat Stanford. But I favor slightly Arkansas here. And then can Ole Miss beat either one of those teams a second time? That's tough. That's tough to do in less than a week. College World Series, once again, elimination games today. Notre Dame versus Texas A&M. That'll be up first at 1 o'clock this afternoon. The winner gets a chance to face Oklahoma in the semifinals. The other elimination game, Arkansas versus Auburn, an SEC West showdown yet again there at the College World Series. That'll be tonight, scheduled for 6 o'clock. Winner gets to face Ole Miss in the semifinals there in Omaha. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company, though, coming up. 
We do have our poll question of the day. Who gets eliminated today at the College World Series? That's our poll question of the day. It's elimination day in Omaha. Is it Notre Dame and Arkansas? Will they get eliminated? Is it Texas A&M and Arkansas? Is it Notre Dame and Auburn? Or is it Texas A&M and Auburn? We want to hear from you. Go vote on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Let us know who do you believe is going to get sent packing today in Omaha. When we return here on RP3 and Company, got some news yesterday concerning the college baseball team right down the road, Louisiana Raging Cajuns. They made a regional for the first time since 2016. Big year, breakthrough year, but a slew of guys have entered into the transfer portal. We'll tell you all about it. That's coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You know how some fellas don't care how they look? I mean, a few of you are rocking sweatpants that haven't been washed in days. Ew. Not to worry, my dear unkempt friend. RP3 and company is a judgment-free zone. Hell, sometimes these guys don't even wear pants. I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party. The pants with the pants. Party with pants. Now back to the hopefully fully clothed RP3 on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, it's transfer portal season, isn't it? <laughs> it just, it never, this is, this is the world we live in now where you're thinking, Hey, we got time. No big deal. Nothing to worry about here. Nothing to see here. We can have a couple of days off. We got guys entering the transfer portal and making decisions while the college world series is still going on. Like we, we can't even get to the point where we're allowed to enjoy the College World Series because we have to worry about what's going on inside the old transfer portal. Can I get a big woof on that? We'll start off with the news that is good in nature if you're an LSU fan. Jay Johnson's team... Gets to a regional, falls short of winning said regional. But they do get to a regional in a year number one. Now, he's lost two coaches. His recruiting coordinator and another coach have left to take other jobs. That's happened in the span of less than a week. So that's going to be a bit of a hurdle. Then you're going to have to figure out if you're LSU, which players you're going to be able to keep and which ones you can't, right? Is Jacob Berry going to go pro? Some of these guys are going to be drafted, but you do have less rounds of the amateur draft. So less opportunities for guys to get their ticket to try to make it to the show. But they're probably going to lose a couple guys to the draft. You've already had a couple guys enter the transfer portal to leave the program. Going to have to replace two coaches. So there's turnover already happening to our friends over across the basin in Baton Rouge. That said, 
some good news yesterday. How about a starting shortstop? You got one, LSU. You got one, a starting shortstop out of the Big 12. News broke yesterday that Baylor shortstop, make sure I say the young man's name right, Jack Pinetta. We're going to go with that. <laughs> Has added, uh, you know, Jack, our good friend Jack, from the transfer portal. Monday afternoon on Twitter, he posted a picture of himself in an LSU uniform with the message, let's go. And yes, he spelled go G-A-U-X because why not? As a junior this season for the Baylor Bears, he batted 300. 15 doubles, five triples, seven home runs. He committed eight errors in 54 games and was an all-Big 12 honorable mention selection. He started his college career because, once again, this is the world we live in where guys are going to be playing for three to four or five different schools in their career. But yeah, started his collegiate career at the College of Southern Nevada. Does that sound made up? It did to me but it's actually a real school. Back in 2019, where he earned first-team all-conference honors at second base, hitting 338 his freshman year, and then he also hit 369 in 23 games during the pandemic short in 2020 season. He transferred to Baylor for 2021. All Big 12 honorable mention, starting all 51 games with 28 starts at shortstop and 23 at second base. So he gives you some versatility there. He can man either position there in the middle of the infield. We know LSU needs to shore up its defense. Second baseman Kay Doty is projected to be an early round selection in next month's draft. So you're going to lose him. Plus his glove work wasn't the best as it was. Not to mention Collier Cranford, Brennan Holt, and Will Safford have entered the transfer portal for LSU. So this is addressed as a need. This is a guy who's been a starter, earned his way up, playing small school ball, then playing the Big 12. He can man shortstop or second base for you. So Jay Johnson addressing a need through the transfer portal. And yes, like in a span of a week, they've had multiple guys already in the transfer portal, had two coaches leave, and then they've added someone else. It's a lot to keep up with. I just ask this. I don't care about the portal, okay? It doesn't bother me. Would I do that? No, personally. Uh, playing for four to five different schools in a six-year stretch, not great. Not something that appeals to me, but that's me. That's my choice. I just ask for there to be times of the year where the portal can be active. That's all I ask. Preferably when nothing else is going on. That would be better. If we could make that happen. So someone can get on top of that. Make that happen for us. That'd be great. So LSU adds a starting shortstop in the portal. Raging Cajuns, meanwhile, they're losing a host of different players. A host of different players. We do know... Also, for the Raging Cajuns, 
And we'll get to Bo Bonds in a minute. Give you the latest updates on that. So according to D1 Baseball, that's Kendall Rogers' outfit, one of the better college baseball websites in the country. According to their transfer tracker, Chipper Menard, Hayden Dirk, and Drew Shiflett are in the NCAA transfer portal for the Raging Cajuns. Other Raging Cajuns include Bobby Liday, Bryce Callaway, and Jack Clark. So I'm looking at this properly. Six guys are in the transfer portal. So I guess this leads me to my question. Look, these kids want to come and go. They want to come and go. They have the right. They're allowed to, by NCAA rules, to enter the portal and go elsewhere. I just have, this is my fundamental question when it comes to this. And this isn't a situation like with Jay Johnson leaving Arizona to go to LSU and he brought Jacob Berry with him, right? Jacob was recruited by Jay. They developed a rapport. They had a relationship. He wanted to follow the man, the coach that he already was playing for. Okay, this is not that situation. Matt Deggs has now been there for three years. If you're these these guys, these Raging Cajun players, what else are you wanting? I guess is my bigger question. Majority of the guys that go play college baseball are never going to make it to the show. They're never going to make it to the show. I'd say 90% of the guys that are on rosters right now for college baseball teams are never going to make it to the show. It's probably even less than that, right? It's probably more like 95%. So these guys that are leaving the Raging Cajuns program, my, my question is why? You just won a conference championship. You won the conference tournament. And you got to an NCAA regional for the first time since 2016. It's a huge deal. The team is beloved here in the area. Raging Cajun supporters, look, we can talk about them not coming out like they should for football, but softball and baseball is not an issue. You got to play in an NCAA regional. For the first time in your careers, Like, I guess that's my bigger question is, does it come down to playing time? Does it come down to not wanting to be coached hard by Matt Dex because Dex is a tough coach? He's tough on him. That he is. He's tough on him. I get it. But why are you leaving? And here's the other thing. You knew there was going to be turnover with this roster to begin with. Austin Perrin is now a senior. He's gone. They're probably going to lose Julian Brock to the draft. Great catchers are few and far between. Major League Baseball clubs like love to stockpile them. So you're going to lose a couple guys to the draft and some to graduation, right? So there's going to be opportunities for you to step up and become a leader and become one of the best players on a team that just went to an NCAA regional. Yet, six of these guys are saying, I'm good. 
I'm leaving. I don't get it. I, I, I really don't. I, I don't understand. Bobby Ledet batted 228 this year. He played in 41 games. Now, maybe he didn't get the playing time that he th- felt he deserved, so that's why he's entering the transfer portal. I'm sure that's probably one of the reasons. Jack Clark didn't play barely at all. He appeared in four games, batted average zero. Maybe he's looking for a fresh start. Okay. Okay, I get it. I'm Okay. You're not getting the playing time that you want to. Okay, great. Chipper Menard, looking at his stats. Okay. He didn't get to play as much as he thought he probably should as well, right? I I, I just don't know. He was he had an ERA of 4.44, 5 and 1 win-loss record, 26 games he appeared in. Why are you in the transfer portal? Why? Like the, these are the these are the questions I have. Hayden Dirk. Hayden did not have a good year. Only appeared in 10 games at an ERA of 6.57. Only pitched 12 innings this year. Bryce Callaway had an ERA of 40. That's not a me saying things wrong. Callaway had an ERA of 40.5. 40 as in 40.5. So some of these guys didn't play well. Drew Shiflett, ERA of 5.82, 2-1 record. Appeared in eight games. So maybe these guys feel like, hey, I didn't get enough playing time well there's guys leaving there's going to be opportunities and you're just part of something special where you won a conference tournament and went to an NCAA regional call me old-fashioned some of you are going to call me old-fashioned I get it I'm old school I just don't get it I, I you're allowed to the rules say that you're allowed to but I just don't get it man I just don't get it you were part of something special why leave that why leave that? Sometimes you have to look in the mirror and go, you know what? I'm not a big leaguer. Just enjoy being in college. Enjoy being part of a team concept. And enjoy college. But that's just me. Let's head out to the hotline quickly. Bring on Chad to the show. Chad, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend? Hey, RP3, you kind of said it, man. It might not be just the players. It's the coaches, too. Say that saying they might not have a spot next year because they're bringing in other players. Uh, a scholarship's only a really a one-year scholarship, and especially then they can turn yeah. It over. I knew yeah. LSU was bringing in players next year, freshmen if they don't get drafted coming in, and some of the players might think, and the coach is saying they might not have a spot because they might be starting next year, not be starting. Um, so it, it, it's it's the coaches as well saying that they might not have a spot for you uh, next year. So it's just not it's just not the player wanting to transfer. Uh, it also boils down to all the coaches as well saying they might not have a spot. Thank you. Appreciate the phone call, Chad. Yeah, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. That happens, especially in baseball, because you're limited with your scholarships. But I think part part of this is the, the number seems to be pretty large to me. Not to mention, Bo Bonds is out. That's the other big news. 
Bo Bonds posted on Instagram yesterday that he had Tommy John surgery a few days ago. He's going to miss all of 2022 season. So Austin Perrin graduating. Bo Bonds going to be out for the entire season because of recovering from Tommy John. I don't know, man. Like I, I get what Chad's saying, and this happens, and I've seen it at every level from Northwestern State, Meany State, up. Sometimes the coaches are like, hey, guys, we're bringing in some other guys. Really don't have a spot for you. It happens. He's exactly true. I don't think it's the majority of these guys leaving, though. And once again, I don't know. Shouldn't you, like, fight to want to stay? I just don't know. It's the world we live in now, transfer portal. But I think we can all agree upon the fact that, hey, can we just make a certain time of the year where you can do the transfer portal? (laughs) Can we have a springtime and a fall time like we do for a signing day? That's all I'm asking. I don't think it's a lot to ask. Got to take a timeout. Wrap up hour number one when we come back. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Uh, let's check in on the poll question of the day. Who gets eliminated today at the College World Series? Two elimination games. Notre Dame going to be taking on Texas A&M at 1 o'clock, and then the nightcap will be Auburn versus Arkansas. SEC West showdown at 6 o'clock. So who gets eliminated today at the College World Series? Is it Notre Dame and Arkansas? Is it Texas A&M and Arkansas? Is it Notre Dame and Auburn? Or is it Texas A&M and Auburn? And right now, leading the vote with 38% is Notre Dame and Auburn leading the vote. 36% say Texas A&M and Auburn. And then 13% apiece for Notre Dame and Arkansas and Texas A&M and Arkansas. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Steve has chimed in. Salty Steve. Arkansas went through their whole pitching staff last night, and that spells trouble. Notre Dame's carriage turns into a pumpkin, and the glass slipper comes off as the clock will strike midnight for them in Omaha. Kiss them bye-bye. My man used a kissing lips emoji as well. Salty Steve, you devil. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two coming up. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Everything gonna be alright this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Oh, it's Elimination Day at the College World Series. That's right. Two games on tap. Two more teams will be added to the mix of teams that aren't going to have a chance at a national title. Joining Texas, who was the first to that party, and Stanford, who joined yesterday. Hook'em Horns and the Smart Kids with the mascot that is singular, not plural. 
it confuses people. That's also a tree. I know there's a story behind it, and I just don't have the effort to look it up. Um, <laughs> just, just being. I used to know. I used to know why Stanford is the Cardinal and not the Cardinals. And there's a story behind it, and also why their mascot is a tree. I used to know, but it's one of those things that I purged out of my brain. When you have when you have kids, you you start you, you have to start pushing things out. That useless information that you used to retain and used to be able to spit out at a moment's notice. When you have children, that gets replaced, gets pushed out of your brain for the theme songs of their favorite cartoons. It just takes takes up real estate. <laughs> so Stanford has been eliminated from the College World Series. We've got two games, elimination games today in Omaha at Charles Schwab Field. Notre Dame versus Texas A&M. They'll be battling out at 1 o'clock this afternoon. The winner, well, they get to move on to face Oklahoma in the semifinals. Once again, Oklahoma defeated both Notre Dame and Texas A&M so far during the College World Series. The loser, of course, goes home. Their season's over. And the other elimination game, it's going to be Arkansas taking on Auburn. Arkansas was crushed by Ole Miss last night. The Rebels just keep on moving on. They're in the semifinals. They haven't lost a game. They've defeated both Arkansas and Auburn to start this College World Series. Winner will go on to face Ole Miss in the semis. Loser will go home. So our field of eight teams will be cut in half today. We'll get down to the final four. Then, remember, because it's double elimination before we get to the best two out of three championship series, these teams that are moving on will have an opportunity to beat Oklahoma or Ole Miss. But they'll have to do it twice. So that's the great advantage of winning your first two games is that you get in a position of you only need to win one to make it to the championship round. That's where Oklahoma and Ole Miss stand currently as we speak in Omaha. Once again, it's elimination Tuesday, if you will, there at the College World Series. And I do have information. Producer extraordinaire of RP3 and Company, Hannah Five Names, has the pertinent information on why Stanford refers to itself as a cardinal and not cardinals. I'm sure it's all because of all the smarties there. They've come up with some type of reason for it. Yes. So back to the reason why I told you the first time when I looked it up for you last time we talked about this. So the reason it's cardinal and not cardinals is because it refers to the color, not to the bird. Okay. Birds are cardinals. They're talking about cardinal, which is one of their colors. And the point behind the tree is that it's a symbol of Palo Alto in California, which is where Stanford is situated, which is one of the trees that's very popular around that area. As I took down the Indian, because, you know, you know, let's, let's uh, not go uh, down I that see. road. I see. I see. I see. So, they're a tree. Yep. And their mascot name is a color. Mm-hmm. Understood. Understood. Yep. Thank you. Thank you, producer extraordinary (laughs) Hannah Five Names, for finding out the information about Stanford. Part of me is happy that he got eliminated just for that information alone. I know I shouldn't be that way, but it's just like, really? Like, really? Okay. Yeah. 
Okay. I love going down that road again. It was it was fun Thank that you. it was still long. Well, once again, once again, I forget <laughs> things. Well, once again, I've already explained this. I'll be 44 this year. And where encyclopedia information of history and sports used to reside in the old brain gets pushed out by cartoon theme songs and whatnot with the daughter. Yeah. Yeah. There's only so much space in the old cranium. Okay? You're like right over the hump of being 20 years older than me. I'm an old man. Yeah. I'm the big, bald, and beautiful one. It's just hilarious I started typing it in and it was already in like my search latest bar. So, uh, it wasn't That's that long part. ago either. <laughs> I, I struggle to put on my pants every day. It's, am, it's amazing that I even make it here in the mornings. Yes. So Stanford is eliminated. Ole Miss is still there. Once again, Ole Miss was the final team in the NCAA bracket. They haven't dropped a game, by the way. They have not lost a game in NCAA postseason play. Regional, Super Regional, College World Series. How ridiculous is that? Last team in hasn't lost. Last team in hasn't lost. And of course, their skipper played for Skip Burtman. Caught many a ball from Golden Spikes winner and All-American Ben McDonald. Back in the day for LSU. A guy many LSU fans over the years thought should come back home and should come and Serve as a skipper for LSU. It never happened. He stayed loyal to Ole Miss, who gave him his break. But Ole Miss wanted to get rid of him this year. (laughs) Ole Miss fans were clamoring, time to get rid. Got to get rid of him. Show him the door. We're tired of this bum. Get him out of here. That's how they felt. And it looked bad. Courtesy of our friend Ron Higgins, the Mad Dog, Hollywood Higgins who will be joining us tomorrow, fresh from his cruise. Ole Miss this season had a stretch where they lost 10 of 12 SEC games in losing four straight SEC series to the likes of Alabama, South Carolina, Mississippi State, and Arkansas. Only Arkansas made the NCAA bracket. (laughs) So they lost. Now, Bama was a bubble team at the end. But they lost to South Carolina. They lost to Mississippi State, who's the defending national champs, but they were the worst team in the SEC. Things looked dire for Ole Miss. Losing 10 of 12 league games in four straight series against the likes of Alabama, South Carolina, Mississippi State, and Arkansas. And yet, here they are. A few wins away from winning a national title. It's a long season. Whether that's for college baseball or whether that's for the big leagues. It's a long season. Always has been, always will be. And sometimes you just catch fire at the right time. And that's all that matters. And once again, don't forget, Ole Miss had very lofty expectations before the start of the season. That was part of it. They were a top five, top ten team by most publications. And then they just were not good. They played awful. They were an awful baseball team for a good stretch. A month. 
Think of it this way. Ole Miss was terrible for a month. And yet here they are. Three wins away from winning the national championship. They were the worst team in the SEC for a stretch this year. They were going to fire their coach. Now they're three wins away from a national title. See, and this is what makes baseball great like that because you don't get this anywhere else, not even in basketball. Because once you, you, if you go on a month stretch during the basketball season, you're going to struggle to even qualify for your own conference tournament, right? And we've seen teams make runs in conference tournaments with losing records or barely above 500 records and sneak in and get an NCAA tournament berth. But those teams don't make runs to the Final Four. We love the madness that is the NCAA basketball tournament, but we don't have teams that are bad for like a month, month and a half that then go on a run and make it to the Final Four. Even when we were critical of North Carolina this year, saying that they were having a bad year, they weren't really having a bad year to everyone else's standards. It was just a bad year for a stretch for North Carolina's standards. Football? Man, you, you, you lose three games? You're done. College football, you lose three games, it's over. Bye. See you. Thanks for playing. Have fun in the San Diego Credit Union Poinsettia Bowl. Which is a real bowl, by the way. Football, you can't do this. Basketball, you really can't do this. But baseball is different. Baseball is different. You catch fire at the right time. You can turn your season around. And even though Ole Miss played Paul Ball for an entire month of the season, where they were the worst team in the conference, they're three wins away from a national championship. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And credit the Rebels for staying the course. Doesn't mean they can get there. Does not mean that they can get there but it does ensure though that we'll have an SEC team playing for the national championship by the way because whoever wins the elimination game between Arkansas and Auburn faces Ole Miss in the semis so you're going to have at least one SEC team playing for the national title yet again last year we had two of them playing for it it's going to be the fifth straight season, by the way, and the 13th time in the last 14 that at least one SEC team is guaranteed to be in the College World Series Championship Series. I'll say it again. We talk about the dominance that the SEC has over college football. For the fifth straight season and the 13th time in the last 14 years, at least one SEC team is guaranteed to be in the College World Series Championship Series. That means every year the SEC is playing for a national title in baseball. Every year? It's ridiculous. It's impressive. But will they win it? Because as much as Ole Miss looks like a team of destiny, you know who else does? 
Oklahoma. Boomer Sooner looks ridiculous. I mean, they just look so good. They do. They haven't lost a game either, by the way, at the College World Series. It's Elimination Tuesday. That's our poll question of the day. Who gets eliminated today at the College World Series? Right now, 39% of you say Texas A&M and Auburn. Two of the three SEC teams playing today will be shown the door. 35% of you say Notre Dame and Auburn. 13% of peace say Notre Dame and Arkansas and Texas A&M and Arkansas. JPK, the OD, says Pig Suey and the Leprechaun are getting on the bus today and headed home. Wonder if Eli's brother is still hanging around. <laughs> I love that. Hart says on Twitter, not sports related, but a question I've always been curious about is how early do y'all have to get to the station to prep for the show? Oh, that's a good question. We'll get to Hart. We're going to answer your question, bud. That's going to be coming up. And then Dougie Fresh, our guy, Doug. Ray, you did say Ole Miss and Notre Dame. And after last night, I'd say Ole Miss is the team to beat. Auburn and AM will soon be sent packing. It's going to be fascinating, those matchups today. Absolutely fascinating. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Keep those comments coming as well on Facebook and Twitter. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Oh, look, I know you love to entertain in the fall for football season. Whether you're rooting on the Meanese Cowboys, those Louisiana Raging Cajuns, LSU Tigers, or the Saints on Sunday, you love to have the fellas over. You love to have the family over. Entertain there in your man cave, your outdoor living space. But maybe you need to upgrade it, right? Maybe it's getting a little worn down. Maybe you want to take it up to another level. Then you need to go see my friends over at Lafayette Marble and Granite. Look, they're the South's largest cultured marble factory and they pride themselves on earning your business you already know that lmg provides more than show-stopping marble countertops for your kitchens and bathrooms they can also take your outdoor living spaces to another level and help your home become the envy of the neighborhood during game days this fall visit their website lmgelite.com that's lmgelite.com to learn more about all the sensational services and the great products that they have to offer live inventory is updated every wednesday Visit LMGElite.com or stop by their showroom located on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford in the Jockey Lot. Once again, that's LMGElite.com. That's the website. Or just stop by their showroom located right there on I-49 North. It's Lafayette, Marble, and Granite. They're looking to earn your business, and trust me, earn it, they will. Keep voting on our poll question of the day. It's about who's going to be eliminated today at the College World Series. It's elimination day there. Two teams will be sent packing. Two more teams will move on to the semifinals. Ole Miss and Oklahoma await. We talked a little bit about the transfer portal, and Tiger Bait has chimed in. And, you know, the portal does have a deadline. It's July 1st, and rosters are changing next year. It will be down to 35 with five possible COVID ads which I still don't understand why we need five possible COVID additions, but that's a discussion for another day. 
So in a lot of the cases where you're asking, why is the kid leaving? He may very well be getting processed. That could be true. I still argue this. We got to have time periods here. Like, we, we, we have to have time periods here to make this smoother because it doesn't feel smooth to me, right? It feels clunky. It feels chaotic. And I've talked to some coaches and some people behind the scenes at different universities in different sports. It, it, it can be overwhelming. It, it feels like pure chaos. They would prefer there to be particular time periods throughout the year that you can deal with all this stuff. Because it doesn't feel like you're ever settled, right? It never feels like your team is ever settled. Guys are coming and going. Girls are coming and going. This is this is just not a male sport thing. This is a sports thing, collegiate athletics thing. It just never feels like there's rest. How can you properly evaluate your team if your team is constantly in flux, I guess is my my big question there. You know, look, the transfer portal debuted in 2018. It's been the wild, wild west ever since. Once again, I'm not knocking kids for entering the portal. If you want to enter the portal, it's there for you to do so. I just have questions. All the guys that entered the transfer portal for the Cajuns, six of them, right? A six that we reported on through uh, D1 Baseball reported there's six Raging Cajun baseball players in the portal. My question is why? For some of them, they didn't play well. Some of them didn't get a lot of playing time. So maybe they want to go elsewhere. Maybe as Tiger Bait says, they're getting processed and they're being, hey, it's, we don't have space for you anymore. That happens, and that happened before the transfer portal, by the way. Because baseball doesn't give out full-ride scholarships. A lot of those scholarships are quarter scholarships, or we used to call quarter scholarships. So a lot of times, they would redo their rosters, and you know, coach would go, hey, uh, we're not going to have space for you next year. You need to go ahead and make a decision to go somewhere else. That could be what's going on here. Absolutely. We had Chad call in and, and bring that up when he called earlier. So that could be part of this where Matt Diggs and his staff are like, all right, guys, I hate to say it this way, but let's trim some of the fat and tell these guys they don't, they're don't they not going to have a roster spot. There's not a scholarship available for them for next year because it is a year-by-year situation. Absolutely could be happening. Matt Diggs could see this as an opportunity to build upon his program and build upon it. But there's a lot of other guys that aren't coming back. I told you Bo Bonds is having Tommy John, just had Tommy John surgery three days ago. He's going to be out all season. Austin Perrin is moving on. He's a senior. So is it a situation where these guys have been asked to leave? Some of these pitchers that didn't pitch well or just pitched okay this year? Or some of them just saying, hey, I want to move elsewhere because I want a fresh start. I just want answers. I just want answers. I do think the, uh, the NCAA transfer portal would be beneficial, though, if, as what Todd Barry mentioned earlier this year, the executive director of the American Football Coaches Association, when he said his group would like to see two transfer windows for players to enter their names in the portal. One, his recommendation would be one for the final Sunday in November until the early signing date in mid-December. So you have about a month's time there. And the another from April 15th to May 1st. 
Both windows would coincide with contract periods in recruiting. Players wouldn't be required to transfer only to enter the portal during designated time periods. Because it, the, the problem with the portal is that it's made things chaotic for coaching staffs trying to put together rosters. Because you think you got a guy and he's going to be there, a player, player A is going to be there, he's going to be part of your plans, so you recruit under the impression that player A is going to be part of your team. But then player A leaves. Well, maybe now you've missed out on recruiting someone that could have been taking his place. You see what I'm saying? So it's been an immense challenge, and they haven't really figured out how to get a handle on it. Once again, I am not anti-transfer portal. And if a player wants to go play at five different colleges during his time, that's entirely up to him or her. That's their decision. It's not what I would do. And I went to multiple colleges. Now, I went to multiple colleges because I couldn't handle four-year university the first time around. My glorious one semester at the University of South Alabama. And I was like, eh, college ain't for me. Now, I ended up going back in my 30s to get my degree. So I get it. Sometimes you need a change of scenery. So once again, I, I just have questions to the kids that are entering the transfer portal. Were they asked to – were they – one, were these players – are these players being asked to not come back? Because that puts things in a different perspective, doesn't it? That's my question number one. Were you asked not to come back? Number two, why, if you weren't asked to leave, why are you earning the portal? Is it for playing time? Is it for wanting to go somewhere else? Is it wanting to be closer to home? What are the reasonings behind entering? Because on the surface, you look at a situation with the Raging Cajuns and you go, they just won a conference tournament championship and they went to an NCAA regional. It's kind of all what you want. Do I think kids jump into the portal quicker these days than they've ever done before? Yes. Do I think sometimes coaches ask kids or really hope some kids enter the portal so they can free up roster spots? Sure do. They were doing that 20, 30 years ago. But it just seems like like literally the college world series is going on and we're having guys entering the transfer portal and this is just the world we live in right now we had alabama and georgia play for the national championship in football this past season less than a week after the national title game you had players from both teams in the transfer portal like there wasn't even a time to celebrate and have a party on campus to celebrate being a national champion and guys are already in the portal for both sides. And I just go, what? What? Like, what? I don't get it. That's the part I don't get. I just I just don't. But I understand. It's a new world we're living in. NCAA transfer portal, NIL. This is the world we live in these days. It's not like it used to be. I understand. Once again, Tiger Bates' comment could be spot on where they're being processed, right? You've been asked. Thank you. Move on. Remember, because rosters were allowed to be inflated due to COVID. 
You know, that's eventually going to go down, and that process is starting now. So this could be part of it as well. Hey, we got too many guys. We're going to trim the fat. But I, I would just like to know. Because there does seem to be opportunities for some of these guys to prove that they belong on the team moving forward and possibly into significant roles for Matt Deggs' team. And here's the other thing. And I'll, I'll leave it with this and we'll move, move away from the transfer portal. There's thousands of players in the portals for these sports, for football, basketball, and baseball. There's not thousands of roster spots out there available. There just isn't. Just I'm just I'm just saying, just remember that. If you have a choice and you're not being forced out where the coaching staff isn't asking you to leave because you don't have a scholarship anymore, you don't have a spot on the team anymore, and you are voluntarily leaving to enter yourself into the transfer portal, just remember you're not the only one. There's thousands of other players in the portal. Thousands. Thousands. So you very well could, if you're leaving on your own accord and entering the transfer portal, you very well could be without a team and your career could be coming to an end just like that. That's the danger of it. We don't talk about enough about it, but that's kind of the danger about it. Not everyone's a Spencer Rattler or Caleb Williams, you know, the Oklahoma quarterbacks that were able to find homes quickly and were coveted. Not everyone's that. There's not. Got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Brett Musburger's action update. Heads up, sports bettors. Right now you can... Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Hello. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you're going to have the opportunity, my friend, to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse, mouth-watering steaks cooked to perfection just the way you like them. Hey, you can also get a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House Gulf Seafood. Who doesn't love a little Gulf seafood? Or you want something a little bit more cash? How about a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen? You can win all of those great gift certificates in our rewards club, but you got to become a member. It's easy. It's simple. It's free to do so. And that way, once you become a member, you can start scoring those great prizes by becoming a member of our clubhouse. Once again, visit 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So sign up today. Golf had its moment, didn't it? U.S. Open. I said it yesterday. We talked about it. It was a nice moment for the world of golf. We weren't obsessing about LIV defections and the PGA Tour commissioner. Sounded like a jilted 14-year-old girl. And we just focused in on the golf, right? And a little Fitzpatrick from England who looks like he's 15 years old out there winning 
golf's third major of the year. It was great, wasn't it? And it was the best thing because you didn't have Rory or somebody else that's publicly come, come out against LIV win it. So it didn't continue that discussion. And you didn't have one of the LIV defections win it either, right? Well, that lasted only a day. ESPN's breaking this. This happened about 10 minutes ago. Four-time major champion, two-time U.S. Open champion, by the way, Brooks Kepka is defecting to LIV. This isn't going to stop. Like I, 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 I've had conversations with people. I had a conversation with someone over the weekend to go, right, explain this to me. Why is this happening? You know, why are they going to play for something that's backed by Saudi Arabia? I says, first of all, they're golfers. That's one. They play an individual sport, which is about winning, about earning millions of dollars in sponsorship money for really not even winning because you get sponsorship money for not winning. And thirdly, it's about money. Golf is about money. Guys, I've known golfers, I've covered golfers in my career that never won a single tournament, yet had one of the nicest houses you've ever seen and had chartered flights, and they didn't even come close to sniffing the top five. Because golf is about money. It always has been. It always will be. These guys get sponsorships. They get their tournaments paid for, and they make money by not even winning. It's an individual sport. It's about the individual. It's about marketing said individual to the consumer. And it's about winning and making money. Have you gone play a round of golf lately? It's not cheap. I love golf. I love to play golf. My brother and I used to play all the time when we lived together, when he was going back to school. We lived up in Alexander. We go play at the golf course there at LSUA. And we'd play some of the other courses, but we had to make it specialty appointments and save up our money to go play the other courses because they were more expensive. The game of golf is not a cheap game to play. It's not a cheap game to have as a hobby. It just isn't. So no one should be surprised that a sport that is based around individual accomplishment and money. No one should be surprised that a sport that is around, centered around individual accomplishments and money, that these guys are making decisions based on money. Like, let's start there. You shouldn't be surprised that Bryson DeChambeau and Patrick Reed and Brooks Kepka and Phil Mickelson and others have decided to go join a tour where they're getting guaranteed money of like $100 million to not even win. They're getting paid $100 million to $150 million. Some reports have Phil Mickelson being paid $200 million just to be part of the tour. They only play three rounds. There's no cut line. And the, the, 
the last place finisher at the first LIV event over in London, the week before the U.S. Open, netted themselves $125,000 for finishing last. Last. The winner, Charles Schwartzel, got $4.5 million for winning a tournament where there was not a cut line and they only played three rounds. And we're all surprised. Oh, I can't believe golf's doing it. I can't believe they're doing Of course they're doing this. They can play in 10 tournaments a year. 10. Less than 10 LIV events a year make $100 million. Guaranteed. Not to mention what they make at the actual tournaments. Do you think they care that it's backed by the Saudi Arabian government? No, they don't. They don't care. They don't care. Just like PGA Tour and others haven't cared. And I'm going to step in real quick. I'm going to say this real quick. I see a lot on social media about the term blood money being used. Because Saudi Arabia has crimes against their own people, has crimes against journalists, has done awful things. Right? Crimes against humanity. This is documented. Well documented. Correct? That's correct. You know who else does that? China. Yet the PGA Tour has World Golf Championship events, which it sponsors in China. You know who won the last World Golf Championship event in China? Because it's been paused because of COVID. You know who the last person to do that was? Rory McIlroy, by the way. Your World Golf Championship event held in China where they do crimes against their own people all the time. You can't pick and choose what you're going to have, what you're going to feel about morality-wise, people. It's not how it works. There's right and there's wrong. There's right and wrong. If you're going to be upset about golfers taking money to go play in a league backed by Saudi Arabia, then you need to be upset about the same golfers that go and play in events that are held in China. Communist China, by the way. Just saying. Can't pick and choose how you do this. At the end of the day, though, you can't be surprised that these golfers are leaving because it's guaranteed money. The Saudi Arabian government is losing money on this venture. And they don't care. They don't care because they're using this as an opportunity. An opportunity. And I know Martin's waiting. I'll get done with my rant and then we'll bring on Martin. They're using this as an opportunity. It's called sports washing. To make themselves look better on the global stage. They're not the first country to do it. They won't be the last. Look at the countries that host the World Cup. They do it all the time as well. That happens all the time in FIFA and the World Cup. Hey, ignore our human rights violations. We're holding an event. Okay, It happens all the time. So this is nothing new. This is exactly what the Saudi Saudis are doing. They're looking to make themselves look better on the national stage. And they're deciding to create a golf tournament, golf series, a league, if you will. And that's how they're doing it. And the government, fueled by a lot of it, oil money, is going to spend hundreds of millions of dollars on this. 
and they don't care. They don't care. So once again, it's a sport that features guys, individuals. It's an individual sport where the individual is praised and gets sponsorship money and is put up on a pedestal and they play the game to win millions of dollars. And you're surprised that they're leaving to go play in it. And here's the other part of it. As it stands right now, 747 this Tuesday morning, June the 21st, they're still allowed to play in the majors. They're still allowed to play in the World Golf Championship events. <laughs> so so they can play in the eight or nine LIV events, get to play in all four majors, which are the four most important golf tournaments on the face of the planet. And they get to play in the World Golf Championship events, which are also huge paydays as well, which are right there below the majors. And they get guaranteed $100 million? And we're all surprised that this is happening? Come on now. Let's not be foolish. Mama didn't raise no fool. Let's not be foolish. Let's head out to the hotline. Martin's been patiently waiting while I've been ranting. Good morning, brother. What's on your mind? Good morning, bald and beautiful one. Don't worry, I'm not uh, here to sing this morning. Uh, I didn't warm up my vocal cords this morning. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I don't know if you heard in the last five minutes, two new golfers joined the LIV uh, tour. Um, Happy Gilmore and uh, Shooter McGavin will be taking their talents <laughs> to the LIV tour. So, uh, but yeah, that's all I had to say, kind of brighten up y'all day. I, yeah, I think I think it's a circus going on right now with golf, but, I mean, also you brought up the transport portal. I want to kind of touch on that. Uh, I mean, the the NFL got a trade deadline. MLB got, uh, well, free agency. MLB got a trade deadline. In, uh, NHL got a free agency period. I mean, they need to put a, ta- a period where just during that period uh, – Athletes can hit the transfer portal. I mean, I think that would help out a lot. But are they going to do it? Probably not. But um, that's all I had to say uh, this morning. And uh, uh, y'all have a good one. Martin, appreciate the phone call, brother. Enjoy your day. Look, and that's what I said once again. I'm not against the portal. Just have periods. You can have two big periods throughout the year, one in the spring, one in the fall, at the end of the fall or more like winter. And then the spring, and just have those portals set up. I think it would make things a little bit more organized, make things go a little bit smoother. And Shooter McGavin all day long would be a guy that would jump to the LIV. <laughs> all, day, all day long. All day long, Shooter would be over there. If Shooter could make money, he'd go. But there is the concern amongst those who love golf. You keep taking guys away from one, you split them up, you're going to have these events that are going to lack the star power. And so many of the the bigger names in golf don't compete in the smaller tournaments as it is. They just focus on the majors and the bigger paycheck tournaments. What's that going to do now? Now, it's going to make more opportunities for more golfers, which in that regard is great. But on the same hand, are people going to tune in? There's a big concern there. We got to take a timeout. Good stuff today. Good stuff. Good research by producer extraordinaire Hannah Five Names. Good comments on the poll question. Good phone calls. Let's wrap up hour number two with style. 
coming up next. Right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 came to the station this morning to do only two things. Kick some ass and drink some beer. Looks like we're almost out of beer. Well, it's kind of early for the latter, isn't it? Maybe. Probably. Maybe just a root beer or some flavored water. Back to more kick-ass sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, I got to tell you about Rescue Fest. It's this Saturday at Park International. It's a day of live music featuring the Sarah Russo Band, Jet 7, Layla Laverne, Hunter Corville, and Cam Nelson. There's going to be plenty of food, games, and even a raffle. And Rescue Fest is a fundraiser for the Rescue Group. That's Rescue, like Y-O-U, Group of Acadiana. They're a group that provides financial and emotional assistance to grieving families of child loss. Great organization they do tremendous work hard work difficult work but needed work and look if you want to help them out buy tickets for this saturday's rescue fest go to eventbrite or simply visit rescuegroup.org that's rescuegroup.org once again rescue fest this saturday at park international let's check in on the poll question of the day we asked you Who's going to be eliminated today at the College World Series? It's Elimination Day. Two elimination games. First up, Notre Dame's going to be taking on Texas A&M. Loser, sent home. Winner advances to take on Oklahoma in the semifinals. The other elimination game will be tonight. It'll be a pair of SEC West teams duking it out. Auburn versus Arkansas. Loser goes home. Winner gets to face Ole Miss for a second time. Do that in the semifinal round. So who gets eliminated today at the College World Series? Right now, 42% of you say you believe Notre Dame and Auburn are going to be eliminated. 29% say Texas A&M and Auburn. So everyone's pretty much on board here. That's going to be Auburn. (laughs) 19% say Texas A&M and Arkansas will be the one sent packing. And 10% of you say Notre Dame and Arkansas are going to be the ones sent home from the College World Series there in Omaha. I think both games are coin flip games. I really do. Notre Dame, Texas A&M of the two is the one that kind of fascinates me a little bit more. That's the early one at 1 o'clock this afternoon. But that Arkansas-Auburn game could be a heck of a game. How does Arkansas respond after the way they were manhandled by Ole Miss? Can they bounce back? Can Pig Suey bounce back in a big way? I feel that they're their better team than Auburn, even though Auburn hosted a regional. But... You know, Auburn just sent Stanford packing. So who's going to have a little bit more confidence? Who's going to feel better about themselves? Probably Auburn in that regard, right? Kyle on Facebook says, I wish you would eliminate talking about golf. Thanks in advance. Kyle, that's not going to happen. I'm just going to let you know now, Kyle. RP3 and company, we talk golf. So you're welcome. Thanks for listening. Hour number two in the books. Hour number three coming up right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Welcome back to RP3 and Company. Our number three has arrived. Man, we've had a good show so far. Plenty of reaction, plenty of good phone calls and interaction with you out there listening, commenting on the poll question of the day. Who's going to get eliminated today at the College World Series? Two teams will be sent packing. Will they both be from the SEC? We want to hear from you. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. We talked College World Series. We've talked a lot about the College World Series, in fact, and about Ole Miss in particular and Oklahoma. How they've just marched their way through to the semifinal round. We've touched base on that. We've also talked uh, breaking news that came across the desk earlier. Brooks Kepka leaving the PGA Tour for LIV. Multiple reports coming out for that. So the schism in professional golf continues. We discussed that. We also discussed transfer portal. Six guys in the transfer portal from the Raging Cajuns baseball team. We're not even through the College World Series yet. And we got six guys from Matt Deggs' team in the portal. Have they been asked to leave? It's good questions, right? We don't know. Have they been asked to leave? Are they simply going for better opportunities? We also found out Bo Bonds via his Instagram yesterday that he had Tommy John surgery. So he's going to miss the entirety of the next season. So they were going to lose a couple guys to graduation. Now they're going to have Bo Bonds out for Tommy John. Got six players at least already in the transfer portal. So a lot of going on. Of course, LSU added a player. They already have three players in the transfer portal leaving the team as well, but they added a starting shortstop second baseman from Baylor to help replenish things and help improve their middle of their defense, their infield defense. We touched on that as well on today's show. But right now it's time for us to get to the latest in the world of recruiting. That's right. Talking recruiting. Who doesn't love talking recruiting? And we're going to do so with our guy, the man who needs no introduction yet. Yet I give him one anyway. Jared Rozier. Good morning. That's his introduction today. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know when I when I was jumping in on that, but good morning, man. How y'all doing this week? But how you feeling, bud? You feeling refreshed? I mean, it's, it's summer. This is this is your time to shine, both as a professional and you know out in the you know society. This is when Jarrett Rozier thrives. Am I wrong? Uh, you're not wrong. I love the summer. Love uh, you know. I, I probably enjoy my my skin getting a little tan to it more than I should, and. Uh, the the process of the camps that allows me to do that is you know a little bit of a mixed bag it's fun to go out there and see see these guys compete but the uh the sweating in the louisiana heat for long days is is less than ideal but that's not you know it's not great that's just part of that's just part of it it's not great bud all right let's let's dive right in uh something that you were there reporting on and, and recovering uh from start to finish was lsu's elite prospects camp that took place on thursday and friday 
Uh, a lot of talented 2024 quarterbacks from out of state were on campus. What can you tell us? Yeah, they had a, a really nice quarterback crop for that 24 class in particular and a couple 25 guys. Um, we saw a couple of in-state younger quarterbacks in Daniel Beal and Jackson Bradley from Catholic Baton Rouge and Oak Grove respectively come out there and, and have nice days on Thursday. But kind of the headline guys were, were all out-of-staters. Walker White, a 24 from Little Rock Christian up in Arkansas, picked up an offer after a really nice day, arguably the, the top quarterback performer between the two-day event. Uh, Colin Hurley, a 25 from Trinity Christian in Florida, was out there that same day on Thursday and looked really good. Josh Flowers from Baker High in Alabama, who has an Alabama offer, another 2024 prospect is on hand and additionally got a, a private workout uh, after camp was winding down on Thursday. Uh, Emil Picarella from Mississippi, uh, a 25 that I thought looked good on Thursday. And then Jake Merklinger from uh, Calvary Country Day School in, uh, in Georgia was there. Another 24 on Friday, who I thought was was fairly clearly the top passer on Friday uh, among those that, that came out that day. And so as much as we wonder what is going to shake out with this 23 quarterback class for LSU, they had some tremendously talented guys from certainly all over the region um, on campus. The tail end of last week on the heels of having had Julian Sayan from California come for a visit just a few days earlier. And so I know the Tigers feel really well positioned with some of their recruiting efforts at that position, uh, not to use position twice in the same sentence, but they like where they stand with a lot of these guys for that 24 class in particular. And then even early on in 25, I want to get back to the 24 class because LSU picked up uh, its first commitment over the weekend. And we'll get to that, but I want to talk about 2023 prospects in particular in state guys, not a lot are still camping. Not a lot showed up for, the elite prospects camp as well but a few did who showed up and showed out yeah so I you know I talked to some coaches from the Louisiana schools as well as some coaches from out-of-state schools that the top 23 guys in Louisiana they have pretty much said they're they're about done with this camp business you know who they are and um and they have either the the offers they need or want or think that there's enough footage and they've they've performed and competed enough out there that that folks uh that, that do still want to come in on them have kind of seen what they need to see but uh on thursday omarion miller who we talked about had recently backed off of his lsu pledge for that 23 class fantastic receiver out of north caddo uh, who had just kind of felt overlooked wasn't hearing as much from from lsu wasn't hearing much from lsu at all really of late and so kind of took a step back to rethink some things but made a point to take the long trek down from the northwest corner of the state and compete on thursday afternoon uh, both in camp and make some great catches as well as it, as part of that uh post camp workout i mentioned with josh flowers and uh and so oh i think gained a lot of respect for and I think showed a lot of his his willingness to compete and his desire to be an LSU Tiger at the next level by coming down and um, and going through all that with uh, with the coaches, the LSU coaches. Zalance Heard, Big Lance Heard already has an LSU offer from earlier in the summer. Uh, Neville 
offensive tackle, and he was one of the top performers uh, between the two days as well. He came down Friday morning and competed in the uh, the, the line drills and one-on-ones and whatnot and just looks every bit the part of one of the top prospects in this class. And I think LSU feels well-positioned with him. And again, to, to have him come down and, and camp on Friday, uh, I think said a lot about him and just his, his hunger for competition and, and his potential interest in being in purple and gold at the next level. And then in that same offensive line group for Friday morning, Natchitoches Central offensive tackle Tyler Johnson, who doesn't quite have the same recruiting stature at the moment as uh, the other two guys or, you know, some of these other guys that we're talking about this morning, but I think is a quickly rising 2023 prospect in the state. I've had some other power five coaches talk about the fact that they think he's, he's really one of the best offensive linemen in Louisiana for this class, uh, kind of quietly he's finally started to pick up some offers this spring has been down to LSU a couple of times this spring and I think um, you know I talked to Tyler a little bit about the fact that it's it started for him but I think he's going to kind of explode a little bit on the recruiting trail in the coming months and have some really great options by the time it's all said and done Uh, and and so he was out there to kind of showcase what he can do uh, again in front of the LSU staff and I know that that when he left they were impressed with with some of that. We're talking with Jarrett Rozier, recruiting analyst, reporter. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. You get to see the young man from Lafayette Christian Academy work and, more importantly, work and compete at defensive back. Give us your takeaways of what you saw from Johnson. Yeah, I've, I've watched Juwan compete as a quarterback for the last couple of years for Lafayette Christian right from that that first official week, his freshman year, where he got thrown into the mix unexpectedly against the Katiana and I I've loved what I've seen from him and his progression as a young quarterback and as just a young leader and getting that much more comfortable and confident and vocal and all those things. But Friday was my first chance to see him at DB where LSU and Alabama and these other programs have started to offer him in the past two weeks. And to say that he is only a month, month and a half into really training as a DB uh, watching him out there locking down guys on the corner with with his just overall athleticism and his quick feet and his confidence level. Uh, and he, he was out there barking a little bit at some of these guys I thought was incredibly impressive for, again, a guy fresh off his sophomore year and working at a, a new position and a, a really high-pressure position uh, on the opposite side of the ball from where we've we've seen most of his, his work thus far as a, a high school and seven-on-seven athlete. Uh, and so – I, I'm not surprised that I was impressed by Jawan Johnson on Friday, but it was it was a really nice performance. Let's stick with that 2024 class because that's what Johnson's part of. LSU did pick up its first commitment over the weekend. Safety out of Texas, Maurice Williams. What can you tell us about the young man? Yeah, a Texas guy from Shadow Creek out in Perlin, Texas, and it's a, a place where I know that the previous LSU staff, and it seems like the new LSU staff, I feel a, a nice connection with the coaching staff at Shadow Creek and that there's a, a lot of respect for the football being played in Baton Rouge, uh, you know, by those guys right across the state line. And Maurice Williams was a guy that had been offered by the previous LSU staff and had built a nice relationship with those guys, had built an affinity for the program as a whole and the idea of coming to play in that LSU secondary that obviously folks have talked about for years and years now with that DBU moniker. And so Maurice made the trip this past week 
and, you know, told our, our regional guy, Nick Harris, essentially, he, he was really liking LSU overall, just wanted a chance to, to chat with the, the new staff and make sure that they were on the same page and that that feeling was mutual and all those things. And, and so Maurice came out there on Friday and, and hung back and, and chatted with uh, some of the members of that staff uh, before he headed back home, uh, including Brian Kelly. And, and that conversation ended with him saying that he was completely on board and wanted to be the first member of that 24 class. And so he made the move with an announcement on Saturday about midday that he was indeed committing to LSU. And so a nice addition of a, a versatile defensive back, uh, but he'll end up being a safety certainly at the next level, 6'2", 190 right now. And one of the, the top safeties in the country, the top three to five safeties in the country, uh, depending on rankings. And so uh, as we're still fairly early on numbers wise in this 23 recruiting class for this LSU staff, they've already dipped into Texas for a really nice addition to start off the 24 group as well. Let's wrap it up with the Raging Cajuns. They added a commitment for the 2023 class, a uh, big offensive lineman out of E.D. White. What can you tell us about Matthew Broussard and what he brings to the table? Yeah, one of those talented offensive linemen in Louisiana in this 23 class, as much as we talked about the 22 class being a strong offensive line class in Louisiana by the state's standards, 23, you're seeing some guys come along and, and be – uh, you know, a nice cohort in their own right. And Matt Broussard was an all-state left tackle for that Edie White team that made the run to the state championship for the first time since the early 80s, had a chance to play on Cajun Field, in Cajun Field in, in Lafayette against U High, and I think gave U High a little bit more than the Cubs had bargained for at times in that game. But a 6'4", 280, uh, moves really well at his size. I think he could be a versatile offensive lineman at the next level, particularly with the the size of some of those uh, those tackles that the Cajuns have brought in in recent recruiting classes, but uh, he's he's a big piece of what Edie White has has done and will do this fall as uh, you know a little bit of a resurgent program um, competing at a level that we hadn't seen them compete at in quite a while, and a lot of that is really just in the trenches, controlling the line of scrimmage and, and setting the tone there uh, and on offense, playing a lot of ball control, keeping that thing on the ground and just getting behind guys like Matt Broussard and, uh, you know, paving forward. And so I think uh, another nice addition in state for Coach Des and company. Jarrett, what you got coming to the byline, what you got posting up on YouTube or websites and the 1,800 different outlets you work for, brother? What you got coming up this week? <laughs> yeah, uh, kind of catching up with a few of these guys, uh, just sort of, mid-June, back half of June updates on how camp season went, um, trying to get a hold of Ashton Stamps. We've been playing a little bit of phone tag, uh, Rummel defensive back for that 23 class that just picked up an LSU offer last week. Uh, Harlem Berry, uh, 2025 running back that picked up a couple of offers at camp. And one of them so far was not LSU yet, but I know that they're really high on him. Uh, and so just, you know, a few of these catch-up conversations and if Andrew Lopez has enough time, maybe we'll chat a little NBA draft to get that up in the next couple of days too and, and see what the Pels are going to do as well as what Tari Eason and, and Darius Days' futures may hold. Jarrett, appreciate your time as always, brother. We'll talk to you next week, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your week. Sounds good, man. Y'all have a great one. we got to take a timeout when we return here 
on RP3 and Company. We'll squeeze in your phone calls. We'll update the poll question of the day. You want to give us a holler? You can. Game hotline's open. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. It'll be your last time to get those phone calls in as we have Ollie Cassell joining us in about 15 minutes from right now. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. June 21st, 1970, Brazil and superstar Pele become the first team and player to win the FIFA World Cup three times beating Italy 4-1 in front of 107,412 fans in Mexico City. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, we are just one day away from the game's birthday bash. And this is your invitation to party with us as we celebrate 10 years of being Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. That's right. Come raise the roof. That's what producer extraordinaire Hannah Five Names is doing right now. Join us at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey tomorrow. There will be tasty wings, a delicious cake, from Gambino's Bakery on Johnston Street. Amazing door prizes, including station swag. I'm talking t-shirts. I'm talking koozies. Astros tickets. A 50-inch television donated by AVI. Car washes from the wash donated by Service Chevrolet. A gift card from Partners Limited. A round of golf with cart at Cane Row Golf Course. A $150 gift card to Mosley Hollard Men's Clothing. And so much more. In addition to that and all your favorite personalities. I'm talking Hannah Five Names. I'm talking Jordy Holberg. I'm talking the illustrious, well-rested off his cruise ship, Kevin Foote. Even yours truly, who you don't care for because I talk about golf. You're going to have crunch time with Miguez and Mesh broadcasting live from B-dubs. That'll begin following the completion of the Houston Astros game versus the Mets tomorrow afternoon. So come join us at B-dubs. Tomorrow, starting at 4 o'clock for the game's 10th birthday bash there at Ambassador Caffrey location of Buffalo Wild Wings. Woo! It's going to be a good time. It's going to be a good time. And I promise we'll behave ourselves. Maybe. Maybe. Houston Astros return to action tonight. You'll be able to listen to that game live right here. It's that weird two-game set against the Mets. It's a weird week for the Astros altogether. They're going to play two games against the Mets. Then it's going to be a series at New York. They get to go to the Bronx and take on the Pinstripers, who, by the way, are the first team this season in Major League Baseball to reach 50 wins. Garrett Cole was very good last night. Double-digit strikeouts for the former Houston Astro. Then they have to play at the Yankees, and then they have to play at the Mets again. So it's Mets, Yankees, Mets this week for the Astros. Mets are the best team in the National League. Yankees are the best team in the American League and the best team overall. So tough games on the docket this week for the Strohs. So they're going to have to prove themselves a little bit here. And look, if they have a great week, then you can make the argument that they're the best team in baseball. It's still early. It's a 162-game season. It's only June 21st. But... 
This series against the Yankees could very well be a preview of the ALCS. This series, these two series against the Mets could very well be a preview of the World Series. So, some big games. You'll be able to listen to tonight's game live from Minute Maid Ballpark. First pitch set for 7-10. Mets at Strohs. And you can listen to it live right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Interesting fact, the Strohs did not play last night, in case you were wondering. They were off. They had the day off, right? And we've talked about this a little bit here on the RP3 and company, especially of late. They have not been a great team in the month of June, right? They're barely above 500. Yet Verlander get rocked for the first time, his second shortest start of his career over the weekend. You got Pena, the rookie sensation, on the IL. Alex Bregman can't hit anything right now. Man is struggling. The worst slump of his career, either college or pros. Yuli Gurriel is struggling. Jose Arquiti has been inconsistent. Yet, in spite of all that, and in spite of being barely above 500 for the month of June, they've not been good, right? Astros are 9-7 and seven in the month of June. Had to deal with some injuries. Had to deal with players in slumps, both on the mound and in the batter's box. They increased their division lead has grown from five and a half games to ten. <laughs> the Astros have been hobbled with some injuries and players in career slumps. And they're barely above 500 for the month of June, have gone nine and seven in June. And yet they've increased their lead nearly by double. That's no that's that's when you know things are going your way. Now, is that a bigger indicator of how poor the AL West is? Yeah, a little bit. Mariners were your April champions, and sorry, Hannah, they're they're it doesn't look like they're turning things around. The Angels, in spite of having all that talent generational talent, MVP, despite having the reincarnation of Babe Ruth and Mickey Mantle both on their roster. Yet the Angels may not even make the playoffs. Yet again! It's amazing how that works. Astros didn't even play last night, still gained a game in the standings as the Angels lost. They now have a 10-game lead in the American League West, and they've been 9-7 and in the month of June. Woof for the rest of the American League West. Just awful. Awful. For the rest of the American League West. Just bad, man. It's just bad. Just bad. They have all that talent. And haven't been able to do anything with it. Mike Trout is the closest thing many people think since Mickey Mantle. Multiple MVPs, considered the generation's best hitter. They haven't done anything with him. They got Otani now, the reincarnation of Babe Ruth. What have they done with Otani? Anyone? Nothing. They haven't done anything. They waste the talent like no one else does. 
They just waste talent over and over and over again. It's amazing how poorly they've been able to construct rosters. They put together terrible contracts. Albert Pujols' contract was awful. The Torrey Hunter contract was awful. And let's not even uh, let's not forget Anthony Rondon, who, by the way, over the weekend will miss the rest of the season after undergoing surgery on his right wrist, the team announces. In his three years with the Angels, he has hit 252 with 20 home runs in 155 games. He still has four years and $154 million left on his fully guaranteed deal. This is why the Angels aren't very good. Trout and Otani are guys they brought up. When they sign free agents, they don't know how to sign free agents. They sign guys that are washed, and they pay them a lot of money to not be good and to be injured. Rendon's going to miss the rest of the year. He's batted 252 in three seasons with only 20 home runs, and they still owe the cat $154 million over the next four years. Woof. The epitome of a poorly ran franchise. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, Ali Cassell from the Bird Rights will join us. We'll put a bow on the NBA Finals being in the books and look ahead to Thursday night's draft. What should the Pelicans do? What will the Pelicans do? We'll get the latest from Ali. That's next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Pierre the Pelican and the King Cake Baby consider him a close personal friend. And we're the three best friends that anybody could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. Or at least a Facebook friend or MySpace friend. Is MySpace still a thing? I wonder what Tom is up to these days. He's desperate. He'd sleep with a meat grinder. Time for some more friendly Pelicans talk on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. NBA draft is Thursday. Finals are now in the books. Golden State celebrating with a parade and Klay Thompson bulldozing people and Draymond, well, doing Draymond things. To get his thoughts, to put things in perspective of what occurred between the Warriors and the Celtics and look ahead to what the Pelicans are going to be doing, to not tomorrow night, two nights from right now, is the man in charge of the Bird Rights Theater-in-Chief, our good friend Ollie Cassell, joins us now. Ollie, good morning to you, brother. How you doing, my friend? Good morning, Raymond. Doing well. Excited. Looking forward to Thursday. As you should be, as you should be, you'll have some fresh content to put up on the website, my friend. So let's, before we go there, let's look back. Uh, Warriors had no issues with the Celtics. Uh, Now that we can step back and look back and go, okay, Boston won game one, and then Boston had a two to one lead in the series, and they never won again. What was the difference in this series? It seemed like Boston hit a wall um, leading up to that point in the playoffs. Boston had never lost two games in a row, right? So for suddenly for them to lose not one, but especially two, and then of course three in a row takes you back thinking there's something more to it than just, you know, maybe their style of play. And it looked like to me, the guys, just, like I said, hit a wall, got tired, especially mentally. 
the amount of turnovers, and they, I, I know you got to think that Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, all those guys, Marcus Smart, they know turnovers against the Warriors especially is going to kill you. And they just couldn't turn that faucet off. And when you combine that with, you know, the Warriors outscoring you in the paint often, especially in all their wins. And then, of course, Draymond Green coming alive. So you got to credit the Warriors some, right? They played really well over the last couple of games. You kind of just saw the writing on the wall that the better team, the more focused team, kind of emerged a victor. Boston, like I said, could never get it going in this series. As to in the previous ones, they found that gear right up front against the uh, Brooklyn Nets, right? Tatum against Durant was awesome. Um, and then that battle against the Bucks, especially. Celtics were down three to two in that series. They won those last two, and Tatum came up huge. As to where in this series against the Warriors, Tatum never had like that turning point where you felt like he was the best player in the court. And and when you combine all those factors, you can see why the Warriors won in six. Yeah, Jalen Brown was the best player for the Celtics all finals long. And Tatum just struggled, man. And he struggled not only with his own shot, but he becomes the first player in NBA history, right, to have more than 100 turnovers in a postseason run. I think I saw that crazy stat, and I'm just like, what? He he just played poorly when his team needed him to step up in a big way. Yeah, I wouldn't say that he played terribly because let's face it, I mean, he shot – Great from three-point range. I thought that he attacked when he should. Uh, just he couldn't finish. I mean, the two-point shooting field goal percentage is just laughable for a guy at his height. I mean, yes, credit Andrew Wiggins. He was outstanding. Uh, he was. Uh, yeah, but a lot of that, of course, is on Tatum's shoulders. And, you know, he's, just, he's, he's supposed to be the superstar. He looked like it. Looked like he was really coming into his own, kind of like the way we were talking about Brandon Ingram in that first-round series against the Suns where he had that great spectacular three-game stretch Tatum like I said just couldn't find it and I really think mentally he was really tired let's talk about these two franchises now because I know Golden State they're the old men I get it and Draymond had looked washed for let's be honest most of the playoffs but then when they needed him the most in a closeout game he gets them a double double and played great defense Uh, they're gonna have to figure out what to do with his contract because I think they're gonna renegotiate that but this is not the same Golden State team from four or five years ago, right? They're older. Clay doesn't have that step like he used to. Steph is still amazing. Does the window still open for this Golden State team, especially considering how they added Wiggins and they've drafted well the last couple of years, adding pieces that can come off the bench? You got to think it is still open, right? I mean, Steph Curry's still Steph Curry. Can shoot lights out. And yes, of course, you're not going to want uh, sorry about that <laughs> pop-up window. Yeah, nice pop-up window. But, yeah, Steph's good. Clay, you wonder if he'll get back to his pre-injury form because, let's face it, during this entire playoffs, he didn't look like that Clay of old. Same thing with Draymond Green. But good for them is the fact that they've got a lot of youngsters coming up. I mean, we saw what Jordan Poole provided them now. Yes. Andrew Wiggins, we've already talked about. If they can retain both of those guys, right, resign them to longer, long-term deals, that's going to really help. They're going to almost need to do it, I think. And, of course, Kuminga, Moses Moody, those are the two guys I've circled. Wiseman, too, to an extent. But, you know, let's face it, I'm not expecting too much from him. We've seen kind of enough that I just don't think he's going to be an integral part. But Kuminga had his moments this year. Moses Moody looked good to me, too. So they're going to need to have other guys step in, play big minutes for them, because Steph's not going to be Steph for 35, 40 minutes a game for you through the regular season all the way through the playoffs. I don't think Clay is either. And, of course, Draymond also, no. 
they had all three of those guys have to sit this year, and they were the three seed. But what I look moving forward, Ollie, Phoenix feels like they're going to be in a rebuild. It's a weird thing to say a team that played in the finals a year ago and made it to the you know made it as far as they did this year. They feels like they're going to do a little bit rebuild and their window may be closing on the Suns. The Grizzlies were the two seed. They had a great season, but the West seems like it's there for Golden State to take yet again if they can bring everyone back. Yeah, I agree. I'm not certain Phoenix is going to go in and kind of rebuild. I'm hearing that they really want to retain DeAndre Ayton. Really? Because, because that's changed because the, the talk of what a month ago was that they looked like they were going to part ways with him. But you're, you're hearing that you think they're, they're changing their mind on that. Yeah, exactly. It did point. All directions were pointing to they're going to part ways with him, right? Maybe do a sign and trade with another team. But now I'm hearing they really want to keep him. So how do they do that? I'm not certain because that means likely they're going to have to pay the luxury tax unless they get other pieces off of their roster, right? That kind of uh, are pushing them over across that luxury tax line. But I'm worried about them too. Just say they do resign Aiton. Still, Chris Paul can't make it through a playoff series and, and no. he keeps getting older. So I don't know where the faith is that you can rely on them to maybe win the West, especially win the whole thing. I don't honestly see it. And beyond them, I do like the Grizzlies. That's where I'll differ. I think that if you have John Morant, who keeps seemingly elevating and he can stay on the court, I love where this Memphis team's going. Especially, think about this, Raymond. What if they were to add a big name, right? Ooh. They're a bunch of really, a lot of no-name guys who play really hard, play really well. But what if they were to get, I don't know, I'm just going to throw it out there. Go as high as, say, a Kevin Durant. Because with Brooklyn imploding, where, if I'm Kevin Durant, where would I want to end up? Memphis, because that's a team that seems to be one superstar away, a good bet like that, to where they could win it all. So I'm not going to rule them out of anything. But other than them, yeah, in the West, it's a total crapshoot after that. We're talking with Ali Cassell, editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights. He covers the Pelicans. He covers the NBA. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Kenny Atkinson was a guy that a lot of us liked as a candidate a year ago to take the Pels job. Well-respected guy. He gets hired reportedly by Charlotte to take over the dumpster fire that is the Hornets. He then decides to pull a, what I would call, you know, Billy Donovan and says, uh, no, I'm not interested and is going to stay on staff at Golden State. Does that mean that he's going to be the heir apparent to Steve Kerr and Golden State? What does it, what does this tell you? It makes you wonder, right? I think possibly. Yes. Look, Kenny Atkinson wanted to get back as a head coach somewhere. And yeah, Pelicans, they had their interest in him a few years ago, and I like them a lot. And when you seemingly sign the dotted line, you're talking about contract numbers, and then suddenly you back out. But there's got to be good reason for it, because it wasn't like Jacques Vaughn, for instance. The Pelicans didn't get that close last year before they hired Willie Green into inking uh, Jacques Vaughn, where they basically announced that he's the next head coach, right? So something had to have changed his mind, something important. And with Mike Brown, right, he's, he's off to uh, coach the Sacramento Kings. Suddenly, Atkinson's that next guy up. And maybe Steve Kerr's not feeling anymore. Maybe, I mean, look, he's won, what, total of nine championships, uh, five as a head coach, or excuse me, four as a head coach, five as a player. And his back, you know, he's had those issues. Maybe he's ready to quit, honestly, sooner than we all think. So why wouldn't you stick around for another year or two and take that job instead of going over to Charlotte where – as we know, yeah, Michael Jordan, that franchise, it hasn't been run very well. What, what are the Celtics missing if they want to keep this window, if this is just the first step in 
putting together a great five, six-year run where they're constantly a title contender. What is Boston missing, in your opinion? I think, honestly, they don't need anything. I think it's really health, right? Robert Williams wasn't right this entire playoffs, right? He missed a lot of games. Mm, And I saw, especially down the stretch of these finals, he just wasn't moving like he was during the regular season when he led Boston to have that best defense over the last, what, three months of the season or so. We know what Tatum and Brown can do when they're right, right? They proved it, too, for months. Uh, Marcus Smart, he's a good number three slash four guy for you. And I really like Derek White and Al Horford, right? Al Horford looked youthful for the most part in these playoffs to me. So maybe just a little bit more shooting. Maybe a guy that can really help you, say, when Tatum or Brown, either or or both, are sitting on the bench. You need somebody to initiate the offense because they don't have that true point guard, right, facilitator. That would be probably about it. Because otherwise, I I like that team. I just think they seemingly, all of them, kind of hit a wall and just couldn't get through it to play good, smart basketball. I think if they do that, they would have been champions. Ollie, let's focus on to the draft, which will be here Thursday night. What do you expect to happen at the number one overall pick for the Orlando Magic? They have a great history. Shaq, Penny, Dwight, they've done a pretty good job with those number one overall picks. Who's it going to be in your opinion? It's going to be Jabari Smith. I think he's clear-cut away the best guy for me um, at the top of this draft because he's, he's, he's got that shooting range that is just unparalleled at his height. And I think he's going to be a very good defender, too. So I think he's going to be a good two-way defender. We're going to start seeing more from him because at Auburn, he was playing next to a very good center in Kessler, who basically was a rebounding monster, had a bunch of blocks. So Smith wasn't asked to do that. I just think if Smith can just add a little bit of dribble, right, a little bit of handling to his game, he's going to, you know, he's, he's going to become that next 20 to 25-point scorer that can do pretty much anything he wants on a basketball court. Because after that, you know, Shet Holgram, he's great, but it's his body type, right, that I wonder about. How's it going to dominate in this league where, honestly, it's grown men, it's these big, strong guys. And for Shet also, at Gonzaga, he never had those bursts where you're like, wow, okay, I see it. You know, those five-minute bursts on either end or on both ends where he dominated, right? It would only just be one or the other for me. And then, of course, Paolo, I think he's got a chance to be good, too. But Jabari Smith, clear-cut for me, number one. And Orlando's. it sounds like from everything we've been hearing, he, they're going to pick him. Pelicans are at eight. Do they stay at eight? And who do they pick? I think they want to stay at eight, and I think they want to grab Dyson Daniels. He seems like that's their guy. Um, but I think it's about 50-50 that will be there. Because I'm wondering whether Portland takes him. Takes him. Because he seems to make more sense for me for a team that if you're trying to win now and you're going to use a lot, utilize the draft uh, for putting somebody next to Damian Lillard. But if they're thinking about the future, then I think you got to go with Shaden Sharp if I'm them. And then that gives a chance for Dyson Daniels to fall to you. Now, I know that Indiana or somebody above these teams could reach out and grab Daniels, but I really expect for Daniels to make it down to them. Um, but if he's not, then yeah, I could see a trade down, honestly. Maybe with OKC at 12. Um, maybe you would want to move down a little bit further with the Hornets who have the 13th and the 15th pick. But if, if you don't get your guy, Daniels, I'm wondering who their number two is. And right now I'm guessing it might be Jeremy Sohan. And if you were to get Sohan as to where, uh, Daniels can play a lot of one through four for you. I mean, he can basically play point guard through power forward. I've watched your footage. He can do it all. And now that shooting's coming around, he seems like that perfect piece to add. If you don't get him, Sohan could be maybe your long-term, uh, small ball five. 
for a team that needs it, right? Jackson hasn't panned out. You know Valanciunas isn't going to be a closer, right? Those traditional centers. So you need somebody to do it. And Zion hasn't proven worthy of guarding. So Sohan, who's about 6'10", seems like that perfect guy to grab for you, uh, for you to be able to play that way. Ollie, appreciate you, Tom, as always. I know it's going to be a busy next few days, brother. Keep up the tremendous work that you're doing there with the bird rights, and we'll talk to you next week recapping the draft and looking ahead to the summer for the Pels. Absolutely. Take care, Raymond. Thank you. we got to take a timeout. When we return, we'll wrap up today's show. We'll finalize the poll question of the day. We'll even give you our thoughts on who we think is going to get eliminated today at the College World Series and get you set up for Kevin Foot and Footnotes. It's all next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, Just a reminder, Houston Astros are going to take on the red-hot New York Mets at Minute Maid Ballpark tonight. And you can listen to all the exciting action live right here on The Game. First pitch is set for 7-10. That's Mets at Astros live here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Want to take a moment to thank our guest today, Jarrett Rozier, recruiting analyst, giving us the latest on the class of 2023 and 2024 for LSU and some Cajun news to boot. Also, thanks to Ali Cassell, editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights, talking NBA offseason and the draft, which will be Thursday night. He says if the Pels don't get their guy, you could see them possibly trade back. Definitely could see that happening. Poll question of the day. Who gets eliminated today at the College World Series? 39% of you say Notre Dame at Auburn. That's who I say is going to get eliminated. If I, had to, if I had to make a pick, I say Notre Dame and Auburn get eliminated today. 30% of you say Texas A&M and Auburn. That's what producer extraordinaire Hannah Five names would like to see happen. 17% say Texas A&M and Arkansas, and 14% say Notre Dame and Arkansas. Once again, elimination, two elimination games today in Omaha. Winners advance to the semifinals to face Oklahoma and Ole Miss, who are undefeated in Omaha. Woo! What a great show. Good phone calls. Great interaction with you on social media. Thanks for all who voted on the poll question, who commented on the poll question of the day thanks for all the callers for the producer extraordinaire hannah five names i'm raymond parts the third better known as rp3 we'll do it all again tomorrow we'll try to be better six to nine but until then be safe out there be kind to one another kevin foot and footnotes is up next right here on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana sports station and your home for the lsu tigers in houston astros <laughs>